Good morning, everyone. We're so glad to see each one of you here as we come together as God's people to sing his praises and to learn more about him. Please stand and join us as we sing together.
Father, we've come today to lift our eyes to you, and we pray that in your presence here with us, we will see you clearly. Speak into our lives, our hearts, our minds, our spirits, every part of our being, that in this hour of worship, we would have a new encounter with you, draw us closer to you and to know your love and grace. We pray this through Christ Jesus, amen. Share a word of greeting with others who are here in worship today. ever heard the expression, kill two birds with one stone. I'm the stone and you're the birds. Uh, I have two announcements. If you've been paying attention, of course, next Sunday is our missions weekend and our focus this year is on our own region, Buffalo, New York, Western New York. So two things about this. First, um, this last Wednesday, this week, a van load of us went up to Buffalo to visit the Jericho Road Ministries on the west side. We saw an amazing health and holistic outreach that God has raised up for a broad spectrum of people and families, many of whom are the nearly 10,000 resettled refugees in Buffalo. They come from places like Nepal, Burma, Congo, Somalia, and so on. Jericho Road now has multiple sites on the west and the east side and multiple programs and services, not just health, but financial planning, and so on. You may remember, not all of you, of course, how God miraculously blessed the vision of our late sister Bonnie Macbeth in starting Hope Refugee Services. Many Houghton College students and alums have been involved there ever since in a variety of ministries in Buffalo. So Houghton Wesleyan Church wants to increase our connections, and this Saturday you can take part in that in one of two ways— After one service, I don't know if you can see it, but it should be in some of the pews, a little narrow strip of blue cardboard, a little paper. You could be looking for that. Uh, First thing that you could do is uh, stay here next Saturday and attend the Priscilla Project baby shower between 10 and noon in the church basement here. Uh, They'll be making baby gifts. They'll view a video of the ministries up there and make handmade craft project. projects uh, during the shower. For the Priscilla Project, which helps 
new refugee mothers who are having their first babies or babies in a new setting and need uh, our comfort and our help and our love. So that's how you could help by being here next Saturday between 10 and noon. We'd like you to sign your name and just say shower, something like that on the slip of paper. Put it in the uh, offering plate. The other way is there's actually going to be a, a, a mini missions trip to Buffalo that day. Uh, a, car, a couple of vans will go up on Saturday morning, leaving here at 8.30. Uh, make a $10 donation to cover the refreshments, food, or whatever. But uh, visiting three sites, the Jericho Road Ministries have several ministries. West Side Ministries have uh, house renovation. I won't go into all the details, but there's plenty for you to do. Wear work clothes. Uh, but you don't have to be skilled laborer, you know, a carpenter. You can just do some of the cleanup or the work that's needed during that Saturday missions trip. This is an adventure, something for you to do. I'd say families, uh, young people, teenagers, college students, all of us could join in. So sign up on the little blue slip, your name, and say missions trip. God is at work in Buffalo, and I'd like to see many more of us join in for this coming Saturday, if you could. That was number one. Now number two. It is our missions week coming up. And instead of collecting our faith promise giving in the fall, as we've done in the past, we've decided to collect our faith promise pledge cards during the missions conference. That'll be next Sunday. You'll find this in your bulletin. Can you find it there? I want to just explain it. Since 2010, this is our fourth year, God has blessed our church's outreach through faith promises. Might need a little explanation. These are funds given above and beyond our church budget dollars. In other words, you put a dollar in the offering, it's split up through our budget. But this is extra. When the church needed to tighten our budget belt, there was a strong sense that God could still bless us above and beyond through faith promises, and he has. This is not a pledge. No one's going to come collect this money or chase you down for it. It's up to God to supply it and us to be the channels. This can be for children, this can be for teens, this could be for any of us. I have to say that over the years, my fam family has seen God add surprises to our income every year. He's good. Again, this simply means that besides what you would regularly plan to give through your tithes and offerings, we prayerfully and believingly trust God to provide extra in his own way. And we promise that as he provides, we will pass it through as channels. We turn in this as an indication of what we will trust the Lord for, and God willing, he'll supply. So you will be handing in next week the smaller portion. Um, little clarification. We're give, collecting the faith promise this February, but you may receive them, and we'll receive them up and through the end of the calendar year, up through December uh, 2014. The current ministries and amounts are shown on the card on the back. Some, such as the Well Project, have already been provided for through this fall's faith promise as it continued to come in. In the spring, we will likely be updating the ministries. Be assured they are vital ministries. Notice the uh, food pantry, community emergency relief funds, almost our total short-term abroad and home ministry trips, mission trips, are in this Faith promise. Um, and also there'll be new projects perhaps in Allegheny County in western New York region and around the world. So after prayerful consideration, next week we will turn in the small portion 
and see how God blesses our faith and obedience to go over and above in our outreach giving. Thanks. And I, I would really encourage you to, to consider what, how God may stretch your faith uh, in this financial way. And I've had this experience myself through the years of just being amazed at uh, the ways in which God supplies when we step out in faith for him. There are a few uh, announcements that are part of the life of the church. Uh, following this service, you're invited uh, to a uh, meet and greet time with the hosted by College Ministries. We'll be meeting in, in the Christian Education Building upstairs at the far end. And it's an opportunity for those of you who are college students to meet some folks who are a part of the year-round community. And if you're a part of the year-round community, a chance to connect with some college students. Love to have you be a part of that. I'm assuming they have food over there, so if you need an incentive, that's probably that might be it for you. Um, but just a chance to uh, to connect and uh, to get to know some people you might not otherwise have the opportunity to meet. So I'd encourage you to do that. Uh, also, um, there are a number of prayer concerns that are in the bulletin, and um, we want to continue to pray for folks who are dealing with difficulties. I want to add a couple of things. Uh, Isabel Alexander uh, died uh, Friday morning this week. And her uh, arrangements are, have been made for this coming weekend. There will be a visitation at the Copra Williams Funeral Home in Fillmore from 7 to 9 on Friday. And then the service will be here at the church at 2 o'clock on Saturday. Uh, there will be a visitation an hour before. So make you aware of that. And that information will also be on the church website. And I also want to... Uh, we want to give thanks. Uh, Gavin Riker Lydic was born uh, Friday to uh, Mitch and Karen, and uh, we celebrate the gift of new life in, the, in their family as well as in our church family. And uh, we are just so grateful that, uh, that uh, he is here, he's healthy, and we continue to pray for him and the family in the days ahead. Hi, I'm Andrea Boone, and this is Heidi Miller, and we run the uh, junior church that takes place during the 820 service for our children in um, grades kindergarten through third grade. And uh, what we do is the children are in the service until after the offering, and then they come back to us, and um, our goal is to take the message and the sermon that Wes is preaching that Sunday and break it down into a way that the children can really understand and can really grasp the meaning of what is being presented. Sometimes we add a little different twist to it or um, change things a little bit, but the idea is that it would relate to the children what was happening in the service so they can truly understand the messages that are being given. Um, Heidi's going to talk a little bit more about that in just a moment, but we, did, we started in September with this group of children, had a wonderful time doing the Fruit of the Spirit. The kids learned, they sang. Um, it's been great. We've had about anywhere each week from 15 to 25 children. So a lot of kids are coming in, and our husbands do a great job of helping, too. I probably should say thank you to them also. Um, 
And so, but um, what we've done over the past six weeks is something really exciting, and it goes along with the uh, missions trips that are coming up in the future. So Heidi's going to speak a little bit about that. Good morning. As Andrea and I had been brainstorming about this new junior church, one thing that we really wanted to do each week was take, like she said, what Pastor West would be talking about here with each of you and incorporate that into our lesson because we felt that it was so instrumental for um, that cohesiveness to exist so that the kids didn't feel like they were just this separate entity, but they knew that they were a part of this congregation and this church body, and um, they could go home and talk to their parents and their older siblings about how they were each learning the same things. And so when the mission team presented all of you with the opportunity to leave the confines of Houghton and go into Buffalo next week um, and serve with Jericho Road and Westside Ministries, we knew that we wanted them to have an opportunity to serve right alongside all of you. And so we've been talking a lot about the refugee children who have recently settled in Buffalo, children that are uh, the same age as our kiddos, but whose life circumstances have been so completely different. And uh, it has been exciting for Andrea and I to watch them really wrap their mind around giving sacrificially. We've heard stories as they've brought in their money jars each week. They've just seen it as an offering, but their, their parents have told us that they are getting... Um, their allowance money or a Christmas gift or birthday present, and they're immediately taking that and running to their jars and putting it in so they can bring it for the children. And um, it's been really um, a blessing for us to watch that. And so we're just going to allow a couple of them to come up and talk to you about what they have learned. And they already presented their offering at the first service, but we'll explain what that is as well. We have been raising money for the refugee children in Buffalo. Refugees are people who have to leave their country to go somewhere else because their country isn't safe. It is hard to be a refugee because you have to leave your home and sometimes have no money and no toys and you may be alone. We are saving money to buy supplies for the refugees that moved to Buffalo to make a home. Some of the things we brought are um, whiteboards, pen, crayons, pencils, and an electric pencil sharpener. Always, once that's it, one. If you couldn't understand my brother Clayton, he said we raised one hundred dollars. Thank you. <laughs> 
And we do want to thank you. Our kids, as um, Heidi was saying, just got so excited. But it's because parents and um, friends really encourage them to give. We've even had people come up still that are giving us money and, and um, different individuals in the church who have said, oh, we've counted our pennies and um, this is what it came to when we took it to the bank and we just wanted to add it to the Jericho Road Project. Our kids actually, as they every dollar they raised, we had a... Um, a, a a mural, and for every dollar they got to put a penny on a road, and so we had the road go all the way up to Jericho Road, and so the kids um, exceeded our expectations, and we're just really thankful to be a part of this, and we really thank you all who uh, were involved and helped us to be successful. Great job, everyone. We'd like to invite our ushers forward now to assist us in our giving of tithes and offerings this morning.
Turn to the Lord in prayer. Those of you who would like to use the altar rail as your place of prayer, come and join me. Father, we thank you for your love and your gracious goodness poured out upon us. You are good to us beyond anything we could ever deserve. As we recognize the truth of your nature, we have to admit that there are so many times when we are selfish and thoughtless and rebellious In this moment of silence, hear our prayer of repentance and whisper to us words of forgiveness. Father, we pray not only for ourselves, but for others who are in need. We pray for those who are struggling with sickness and pain, with suffering and grief. We think especially this morning of Bonnie Zemanski, who is having eye surgery this morning. She's been through a lot and continues to deal with a lot. We pray that this surgery will be successful, that it will help her in her long-term recovery. We pray that she and her family would know your presence in a very tangible way. We pray, Father, that, that you would bring your grace to bear on the struggles that we may be having at work or at home, at school, or even in this church. And in this moment of silence, hear our prayers of intercession, our prayers for healing and peace and comfort. Father, we pray for this world. So much bloodshed, violence, people enslaving each other, using each other in horrific ways. 
such little regard for life, for people that you have created and love. We ask, Father, that you will bring peace. We pray, Father, that you will raise up your people to be a voice and a presence for peace and for forgiveness and mercy and truth, particularly in those places that seem to be reaching a boiling point. Father, in this moment of silence, hear our prayers for your world, for our brothers and sisters throughout the world. Father, open our eyes to see as you see and our ears to hear as you hear. Open our minds to think as you think. Open our arms to embrace as you embrace. Open our hearts to love as you love. And do it all for the sake of your glory. For the salvation of the world. For people in need. For us. We pray this through Jesus Christ, our Lord and our Savior. Amen. Today's scripture reading comes from Genesis 4, 1 through 24. If you'll turn with me. Adam lay with his wife Eve, and she became pregnant and gave birth to Cain. She said, with the help of the Lord, I have brought forth a man. Later, she gave birth to his brother Abel. Now Abel kept flocks and Cain worked the soil. In the course of time, Cain brought some of the fruits of the soil as an offering to the Lord. But Abel brought fat portions from some of the firstborn of his flock. The Lord looked with favor on Abel and his offering, but on Cain and his offering, he did not look with favor. So Cain was very angry and his face was downcast. Then the Lord said to Cain, Why are you angry? Why is your face downcast? If you do what is right, will you not be accepted? But if you do not do what is right, sin is crouching at your door. It desires to have you, but you must master it. Now Cain said to his brother Abel, let's go out to the fields. While they were in the field, Cain attacked his brother Abel and killed him. Then the Lord said to Cain, where is your brother Abel? I don't know, he replied. Am I my brother's keeper? The Lord said, What have you done? Listen, your brother's blood cries out to me from the ground. Now you are under a curse and driven from the ground, which opened its mouth to receive your brother's blood from your hand. When you work the ground, it will no longer yield its crops for you. You will be a restless wanderer on the earth. Cain said to the Lord, My punishment is more than I can bear. Today you are driving me from the land, and I will be hidden from your presence. I will be a restless wanderer on the earth, and whoever finds me will kill me. But the Lord said to him, Not so. If anyone kills Cain, he will suffer vengeance seven times over. Then the Lord put a mark on Cain, so that no one who found him would kill him. So Cain went out from the Lord's presence and lived in the land of Nod, east of Eden. Cain lay with his wife, and she became pregnant and gave birth to Enoch. Cain was then building a city, and he named it after his son Enoch. 
To Enoch was born Irad, and Irad was the father of Mahujala, and Mahujala was the father of Methuselah, and Methuselah was the father of Lamech. Lamech married two women, one named Ada and the other Zillah. Ada gave birth to Jabal, who was, he was a father of those who live in tents and raise livestock. His brother's name was Jubal. He was the father of all who play the harp and the flute. Zillah also had a son, Tubal-Cain, who forged all kinds of tools out of bronze and iron. Tubal-Cain's sister was Nama. Lamech said to his wives, Ada and Zillah, listen to me. Wives of Lamech, hear my words. I have killed a man for wounding me, a young man for injuring me. If Cain is avenged seven times, then Lamech seventy-seven times. This is the word of the Lord. In the front of your uh, pew, where your pew Bibles and hymns are, hymnals, there's a sermon note sheet. I'm going to ask everybody to tear off a sheet, and we're going to—I'll talk about it later. But I just want to have you do that and have that ready for later on. You can set it down beside you. It'll be a little bit before we get to it. I just want to have you prepare for that. And maybe if there's not some in front of you, maybe behind you or somewhere in the racks around you. There ought to be a pad of those sheets. More than likely, I I don't know the details of when it happened or where it happened. I I probably don't know the people involved or the circumstances out of which it arose. I don't know if it was um, something that that happened recently or a long time ago. I, I don't know the circumstances more than likely But because we're all human beings, every one of us, at some time or another, struggles with things like jealousy, envy, anger, disappointment, frustration. Sometimes it comes because we were passed over for something that we thought we deserved and should have had. Sometimes it's because somebody else got something that we didn't or they didn't get something that we wanted and we got it or that we didn't want and we got it instead. Sometimes it's the things that people say about us or do to us. All kinds of life experiences and life circumstances and struggles come to us in our human lives. And we... And we wrestle with these things and and they get inside of us. And we are, and the problem is not just that we have some immediate reactions to these things. The problem is that if we don't take care of them, if they're left unattended, jealousy and envy and anger and frustration and disappointment and all of this stuff eventually leads 
to bitterness. And bitterness can destroy us. Bitterness can get inside of us and eat away at us. It destroys us and our relationships and so much of our lives if we let it. I don't think there's any place in the scripture where we see that more clearly than in this passage, a story that we find in the opening chapter here of chapter 4 of the book of Genesis. The story, this famous story, these two brothers, Cain and Abel. When most people read this story, one of the One of the main things people want to talk about is, why did God accept Abel's sacrifice and reject Cain's? And there are a zillion reasons for that, I mean, the people suppose. Probably the most popular ones are that Abel presented a sacrifice that was an animal, blood was shed. And Cain presented a sacrifice that came from things he grew in the ground. But I don't see that having any bearing on at that time. Later on, God talks about the importance of blood sacrifices, but I don't see it here. Another theory is that um, Abel's sacrifice is accepted because he, he presents the best of his flock, while Cain presents just some of what he grows. Again, maybe... But here's what I find when I read this text. The writer doesn't tell us. And I think the writer doesn't tell us because it's not important. This is not a story about what's an appropriate sacrifice or not. There are other places in Scripture where God talks about that. This is not that place. This is not a story about the right or wrong kinds of sacrifices. This is a story about what a person does, how a person responds when we feel jealousy and envy and anger and disappointment and frustration about whatever comes to us in life. This is a story. This is a real life story. I mean, this is one of the things I love about the Bible. I love about the book of Genesis. These are real people living real messy lives. They're you and me. And in Cain and Abel's story, we see you and me. Sometimes we we struggle to, to really acknowledge the stuff that's going on inside of us. We have a tendency to, to um, minimize what we're feeling. Minimize what we're thinking. Minimize those emotions that are eating away at us. And so we come face to face with a story like this and you can't ignore it. I don't think that Cain sins in the sacrifice he brings. I don't think that's the issue. It's something about it, I don't know, isn't what God wants. But that's not really the problem. Because God says to him, Cain, you know what you need to do. And, and you know what you, you need. He says he's downcast. Scripture says he's downcast. He's angry. 
He's frustrated with God because his sacrifice wasn't accepted. And God is challenging him about that, not about the sacrifice. And he's saying to him, Cain, you need to be careful because you are at a place where this anger and this frustration and your jealousy is really really beginning to get into you. And you need to understand that right behind this door of your heart, sin is lurking. Sin is crouching. It's lying in wait. And if you open the door and you let it in, there'll be devastation. One of the things about this story that I find so fascinating is that the pain isn't just on Cain. I mean, we see it in Cain. I mean, it's amazing to me how, how quickly Cain becomes hardened about human life. I, I used to think that, that there was a, that God's conversation with Cain, when, however that took place, is immediately followed by, hey, Abel, let's go out to the field. I suspect there's more time. I suspect that there, there is, a, there is a, some time there that, that Cain wrestles with how he's going to respond to all these negative emotions that are whirl, swirling within him. What's he going to do about it? And he keeps nurturing them and nursing them and stroking them and, and giving them a place in his heart until bitterness takes over. And he says, hey, brother, let's, let's go out to the field. Do you see how hard his heart has become when God says to him, where is your brother? And his response is, I don't know. And that famous line, am I my brother's keeper? Do I have to look out for him? Get off my back. Doesn't seem to care a thing about his brother. His heart is already becoming like stone. But it isn't just about Cain, it's about the other people that, that are affected as well. When you read, one of the reasons we continued reading on through the end of the chapter is that you see the devastation that takes place in his family as even generations later, you see his actions repeated. And you feel Cain's agony of soul and spirit about his own life and about his, the generations to come. And that's one of the things about bitterness. It's not just about us. It's about all the people around us and what it, how it affects them particularly the people who are closest to us. We feel, we think, well, it's just about me. It's never just about me. It's always about other people too. You cannot, you cannot embrace bitterness you can, that makes us bitter people and, and others not be affected by it. You know, you know people who are... Who are absorbed in bitterness. I mean, those are not people we want to be around. Those are the people who push us away, reject us, don't want relationships, and and we destroy the very people who want to be closest to us, who want to love us and care for us and help us. A couple of years ago, there was a, we noticed an advertisement for a new uh, television show. And, and it's, it, it so struck us uh, that this, how this show, about the show that we thought, I want to watch that and see what does Hollywood do with this? 
I don't know, maybe you've seen it. It's, the show is called Revenge. And, and I thought, wow, you name a show Revenge. Uh, this is intriguing to me. What is in the world are you going to do with that? And the whole story is, is built around a woman who comes back to where she lived as a child for one reason, one purpose, to destroy the people who murdered her father. They don't know who she is. She's changed her identity. But that's her whole purpose. To eliminate, to destroy the people who murdered her father. And one by one, she does just that. People who are powerful and rich have everything that they want. She continues to, she just keeps taking them out. The storyline is getting pretty thin as it goes along. But here's the fascinating thing. She has two or three people who have helped her. And at the beginning, it feels like justice. It feels like she is, she is enacting justice on people who have committed heinous crimes. But after a while, it's no longer justice. It's just vengeance. And innocent, she's leaving a carnage of innocent people. And the fascinating thing, the very people who are closest to her... The, the few people who know who she really is and have actually been helping her behind the scenes accomplish this are now people that she is turning on because they're trying to help her see that she is destroying herself. And she's destroyed the relationships with these people who want to help her. And she is, all she thinks about is how can I use them to get what I want? And if I have to trample them, if I have to eliminate them, I'll do it. Because I've got to get what I want, vengeance. I don't think any of us start out, I don't think any of us probably are going to come to the place where we might take someone's life. But we might commit character assassination. We might start rumors We might pass along gossip. We might do things that hurt people because they've hurt us. And we perpetuate all of those negative emotions toward the people that we feel deserve it. The dangerous thing is that often those emotions are not just about other people, it's about God. If we have any kind of a relationship with God, you can't help but think, God, why did you let this happen? God, why are you not doing something about this? God, where are you? And that bitterness is not just towards some person or towards some circumstance. Ultimately, it's going to be toward God. And the one being who loves us unconditionally, we keep pushing away, rejecting. God is merciful even when we make bad decisions. We see in this story that God God, uh, passes judgment on Cain for what he's done and Cain says it's more than I can bear and God says, okay, I'll protect you. Mercy, it's amazing. But he still lives with the consequences. Every time I read the story, I think back to July 4th, 1969. 
I was almost 10 years old. And our church was getting ready to have a big picnic that day. And my dad, who was the pastor of the church, got a phone call from one of the leading laymen in the church. They said, could you come down to the jail? We lived in the Cincinnati area. Can you come down to the jail and talk with my son? He's been arrested for murder. We all knew Vic. He'd grown up in the church. But he had become rebellious against the church and against God. And, and his life had, had become entwined in things that he would later say he deeply regretted. My dad went down to talk with him and he admitted everything. He and some friends had been out drinking and they went to rob a gas station. And in the course of that robbery, he killed the gas station attendant. And he said to my dad, I'm, I'm so glad it's out because I can't live with the guilt anymore. These months, it's just about killed me. And over the course of the next few months and on into the next couple of years, he completely turned his life around and he became a committed follower of Christ. And it was awesome to see what was God, God was doing in his life. And God was merciful to him, but he still spent 25 years in prison. The whole point of God's warning is, is to try and prevent us from experiencing such painful things in our lives. And during this season of Epiphany, as we talk about, we talk about how God reveals himself and what we see of God in this story is a God who is merciful to us, so merciful that he keeps warning us about where our negative emotions and where our negative behavior is going to eventually lead us. It's not going to, it's going to destroy us. And he's trying to help us see that. And I know it's hard. And I know from my own experience it's hard. Because when you get in the middle of that, we feel justified and we feel right about it. And something about that, that sense of, of getting back at people makes us feel good. We feel like we're on the right side and we feel like we're, you know, people are going to finally understand. And we feel like you know, there is some sense of satisfaction for us. I know that feeling. But eventually, that feeling goes away and we're left with guilt and shame and destruction. And God's warning is to keep us from getting to that point. And he says to Cain, now is the time to stop. Think about it. Think about where this is going to lead Now is the time. I don't want you to have to go through all of that. I don't want you to be banned from the area. I don't want you to have a mark on your head. I don't want you to live with all this guilt. I I want to stop it now. What God says to him is that, Cain, sin is lurking at your door. And the only way around it is you have to master it. You have to subdue it. There's a lot wrapped up in that idea of mastering and subduing the sin that lurks behind the door. I think it really just comes down to our want to. What do we want God to do? What do we want our lives to be? Do we want to, is our, is our, is our passion and our desire to hang on to the pain and the hurt and, and the emotions and, and all the bitterness and all of it? Is that, is that our passion or is our passion to Christ? 
and to let it go. It's hard to let go, I know. There are things in my life I'm still wrestling with to let go. But it's the want to. It's the desire. Because we're all going to have passions, especially in this context. And the passion is going to be, I'm going to hang on to these emotions and these feelings despite what happens to me and others. Or we surrender it and we let it go and we let God begin to work in us and in others. And quite frankly, letting go feels like we're losing. It feels like we're not getting what we should be getting. It feels like, you know, that, that we're, it, it's not working out the way we want it to. And probably it's not. And letting go is hard. But to cling to it is to keep opening the door more and more, little bits at a time, more and more, until it's wide open. And we, found, we find ourselves at a place we would never dream possible. We all have a choice, just like Cain did. Hang on, or let go. Open the door, keep it closed. I think it does come down to want to. What's our desire? What do we want to see happen? Do we want to let it go or do we want to hang on to it? We may not even know how to let it go, but we want to. We want God to help us let it go. Here's where I want you to use that piece of paper. I'm convinced that want to is always connected to action. Something we're going to do. And in a few moments, we're going to, we're going to take just a couple of minutes of some silence. Let God speak to you. You speak to God about whatever it may be in your heart. And maybe there's nothing for you this morning and give thanks to God for that. But if there is, maybe the first step is just simply to ask forgiveness. Maybe you need to go to someone and ask their forgiveness. Maybe you need to forgive someone. And maybe they aren't even, they don't want you to forgive them. They don't even think they're wrong. You can't worry about that. You just have to be willing to forgive them, want to forgive them. Maybe, maybe the first place for us is to want, is to ask God to help us want to forgive someone. Maybe the first place is to ask God to help us want to want to ask God to forgive someone. The awesome thing is that God just meets us right where we are. Whatever our attitude, our spirit, whatever we're, wherever we're wrestling, God is meeting us right there. Wherever we are, that's all that matters. So in these next few moments of silence, as God speaks to you, you don't need to write down what it is. You can if you want to, but as God speaks to you, If you sense him saying something to you, I'm going to encourage you to write it down on that piece of paper and act on it this week, whatever that may be. Let's pray.
Father, you know our struggles. You are merciful and gracious. Thank you. Meet us right where we are. Give us a want to, a desire, a passion to wherever stage we may be to to let go. That we might know the fullness of life with you, the freedom of life with you. And we pray for your miraculous work in each of us. And we ask this through Christ Jesus. Please stand and join us as we sing.
Jesus Christ, the love of God and the fellowship of the Holy Spirit be with you now and forevermore.